We have a potential thief in the Pacific Division of the NBA trying to snatch something great from the Sacramento Kings. I'll explain what I'm talking about as D'Lo from D'Lo and KC, Damian Barling, joins me right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all off-season long. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News. And before my good friend Damian Barling from ESPN 1320's D-Lo and KC joins me, like I said in the intro, there's a, there's a team out there in the, the, the Pacific Division, a team that was just recently eliminated from the playoffs that is trying to potentially snatch a assistant coach from the Sacramento Kings. I'm talking about the Phoenix Suns, who inexplicably, in my opinion, fired Monty Williams. No idea why they did that. I think it was a ridiculous decision, but they did. And now they're looking for a head coach. And according to reports, amongst the finalists for the job is Sacramento Kings associate head coach, essentially their head assistant, Jordy Fernandez. Now, it is a great thing when other teams are trying to take talent from your organization. It means you're doing something right. And it's been a long time since, I can honestly, I don't even remember the last time that the Kings have had an assistant coach that a team has been interested in taking uh, to be their head coach. Now, the Phoenix Suns haven't offered Jordy Fernandez the position. If they were to, I would be very shocked if Jordy didn't accept the job. And on one hand, it's like, yeah, Jordy, we want what's best for you. You deserve an opportunity. Jordy is definitely deserving of a head coach job. Like, you want him to succeed. And the Phoenix Suns job, while there's a lot of pressure with that job, it's a great job to go out and get. I mean, it's a significant job for your first ever head coach position, but nothing that I don't think Jordy Fernandez couldn't handle. I think Jordy Fernandez is absolutely brilliant. I got the opportunity to very slightly get to know Jordy. And I don't mean like we're great friends and have long conversations together. Nothing like that. But I got to know Jordy a little bit during uh, the summer league process last year. He coached the the Sacramento Kings summer league team. So we got to learn, uh, get to know him a little bit in summer league training camp, uh, covering, uh, getting to interact with him a little bit in Las Vegas during summer league. And then of course, over the course of this season, the important role that Jordy Fernandez had uh, in so many ways, like he was in charge of the defensive player of the game chain when uh, Mike Brown was out with COVID or Mike Brown got ejected. Jordy Fernandez took over uh, responsibilities of running the team. Like Jordy was an integral, uh, or a, a, that's not the word. He was a extremely important part. I'm not thinking of the right term. He, he was essential. There you go. He was essential for the success of the Sacramento Kings. And in a lot of ways, as Mike Brown consistently did every time he got praised for being a coach of the year candidate and winning coach of the year, he always turned the attention back to his staff and always turned the attention back to um, other, other members of the organization. And Jordy was one of the main guys that he always talked about and how great Jordy was. So to me, like, Look, the Kings just got something going here, right? This is the first year that the staff was together. Leave them alone 
Phoenix, go out and get somebody else, get Nick Nurse or something like that, Doc Rivers, if that's who you want. Like, go ahead, go take one of those more established, bigger names. Leave Jordy alone. Like, Jordy's going to get a head coaching job at some point. Let Jordy have at least one more season in Sacramento doing what he does. Let this coaching staff t- stick together as this Kings core is probably going to stick together. And let's see what they can do next year and build upon um, the great year that they just had. That's the selfish Matt George way of thinking. That's the Sacramento way of thinking because the Kings absolutely don't want to lose Jordy Fernandez. They don't. But again, if Jordy were to get a job offer and were to accept that offer, we would be nothing but happy for him and and he's nothing but deserving of that. But I don't want him going to Phoenix because I can't root for Phoenix. If he, if Jordy gets a job, send him to the East Coast so that I can pick his team to be my East Coast team. I already have a hard enough time rooting against Mike Malone and the Denver Nuggets. Although I am not at this point in time. I'm very actively rooting for the Denver Nuggets to be NBA champions. Very happy that for the first time in, in their franchise history, they made it to the NBA Finals. I've always been a fan of Mike Malone. Will forever be a fan of Mike Malone. I don't root for him in the Nuggets when the Kings play them, but any other time I'm rooting for Mike Malone, it's going to be the same thing with Jordy Fernandez if he were to leave. I'm I'm very hopeful. We should all be rooting for the Phoenix Suns to make the wrong decision by not hiring Jordy. If the Phoenix Suns make the wrong decision and hire somebody else, we will celebrate that on a future episode of Locked on Kings. I don't want to see Jordy go. I want to see Jordy stay here. Back off, Phoenix. You can't have him. He's he's a king. All right? Got to make that very, very clear. All right, let's get to my conversation with Damian. D'Lo and I are going to talk about uh, Jordy potentially going to Phoenix. We're going to talk about Mike Brown and his coaching staff. We're going to talk about uh, the significance of free agency. D'Lo has some great things to say about Uh, The Kings potentially becoming a free agency destination. We're, of course, going to talk about the significance of the Harrison Barnes decision and how everything kind of is going to be a after effect of whatever decision the Kings make uh, regarding Harrison Barnes, whether to bring him back, sign and trade him, just let him walk, whatever. Uh, We're going to talk about all of that. I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation. So please sit back and relax and enjoy uh, this uh, interview with the D'Lo and D'Lo and KC, Damian Barling. Joining me right now, the D-Lo and D-Lo and KC from ESPN 1320, Damian Barling. Joining me back here on the Locked on Kings podcast. D-Lo, I'm going to bring you into a conversation that I was having with myself or a topic that I was talking about with myself <laughs> to start. Your best podcast. friend. Just me looking into a mirror, talking to myself. It's literally what I do for a living. So it's nice to have another human being to talk to. Uh, but I was talking and maybe ranting a little bit about the Phoenix Suns interest in Jordy Fernandez, because in one hand I'm like, good for Jordy. It's a good representation of the organization. When other teams are trying to get what you have, like look at the golden state warriors and how their coaching staffs over the years have been just picked apart um, and, and gone elsewhere. And it's even potentially happening again with Kenny Atkinson over there. Uh, And I'm like, okay, good for Jordy. I want to see him succeed. And Mike Brown has said himself, there are two or three guys on his staff that, could be and maybe should be head coaches elsewhere. But then there's the other side of me that goes, we've had this group together for one year. It was a great year. Leave Jordy alone. Let him stay here in Sacramento. Let them build something here. So where are you at in that spectrum of good for him or don't touch him? Yeah, no, a a little bit of both. I mean, one thing that seems pretty clear is Jordy's almost certainly going to be a head coach and he's probably going to be a head coach sooner rather than later. Now is the sooner this year or is it next year? Uh, the jobs, the, 
The jobs that are available right now are super intriguing. They usually don't go to our first time head coach. Of course, we saw Darvin Ham uh, land the job with, uh, with 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 the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm going to take Joe Mazzola out of the equation a little bit because of the extenuating circumstances that got him that job. But when you look at Milwaukee, you look at you look at uh, Phoenix. Of course, those are those are those at Philadelphia. The, those are tough, tough jobs for a first year head coach with extremely high expectations. Toronto, which I know he's been interviewed for before, is an extremely compelling job. It's got a good roster. You're not you're not sure exactly what approach the Raptors are going to take. But when Jordy takes a job or when Jordy is offered a job, I do hope it's one of those good ones, right? I hope like I would I don't want to say I'd be upset. I certainly wouldn't be upset. I'd be very happy for Jordy Fernandez if he took the Detroit Pistons job. It's just the Detroit Pistons job isn't good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you worry about like I, I worry, like I felt terrible for Steven Silas, like Steven Silas went into an absolute no win situation where you knew he was going to get fired, like to no fault of his own. He was going to get fired. So I, I, I'm happy for Jordy because of the jobs that are available, because the jobs that he's interviewing for, those are really, really good, very, very high profile jobs. You know, of course, those come with their own concerns, but I have the, you, you know, I, I think I have a little, I, I'm, I'm not terribly concerned about the Kings losing Jordy only because I believe in Mike Brown and I believe in the infrastructure of this franchise. That's not to minimize at all Jordy's impact on this team. It's that, I think Mike Brown and the rest of this coaching staff have a strong, strong, you know, builds strong connection. And I think Mike also has, you know, other guys around the league. Mike probably knows as well as we do. He's going to lose Jordy Fernandez at some point. And I'm sure he has a list of names where, okay, if I lose Jordy, if I lose Jay, if I lose, you know, Farfet, if I lose Doug or Lindsay, like I know who I got to call next. So I, I, I think Mike is prepared as much as we, we may not want this to happen. I think Mike is 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 prepared to to lose Jordy when when the time comes. And knowing the guy that Mike is too, I'm sure a lot of having Jordy on his staff, he knows his borrowed time, and it's partly his responsibility to help Jordy get to that next step. I know yeah. these guys are like their fraternity; they're all working together. Like one of the things that I was extremely impressed about um, with Mike Brown. I mean, I could write a whole freaking list, but uh, a moment that jumped off the page to me, if, if you remember when it was in Toronto, when he was ejected and Jordy took over and the Kings came back and won that game and they showed the post game locker room celebration. Like yep. they have every single game and Mike is there, but Mike's in the background and he yep. let Jordy do the speech. He let Jordy and Jordy nor always handled the defensive player of the game chain, but he let Jordy do everything, address the team, lead everything like that. Cause he was the winning coach. And I thought that that spoke volumes about not just who Mike Brown is as a person, but how, what he, how he believed in Jordy and Jordy's ability to, to take his career to that next level. I remember that moment too. And the thing that stood out to me, the, well, I, 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 I saw everything that you did. And I remember pointing out to somebody like, I, I, I feel like if, if the Kings had lost that game, that Mike would have gone out and taken the, mm -hmm. you know, taken the punch for it. And I think allowing Jordy to do that and standing in the background, it, it of course it speaks to, you know, how he feels about Jordy Fernandez, but I also think it speaks to Mike Brown's own security. Like he's not an insecure individual. Like he's secure in the roles that Jordy Fernandez has, that Jay Triano has, that his assistants have. This is a coaching team as much as it is a Sacramento Kings team, as much as it is players and coaches. This is a coaching team trying to get this group 
you know, ready to go out there and win basketball games. And Mike believes in every guy that's on his staff. And I noticed that too. Um, and it, it, it really stood out to me. And yeah, it, I think it said it, I'm with you in the sense it said a lot about Mike and it said a lot about Jordy in that moment. See, that's why I'm so scared to lose Jordy. Not in the sense that I think it's going to have a massive negative impact on the Kings, but Sacramento knows they have a good thing here. And the rest of the league knows Sacramento has a good thing here with the coaching staff that they've constructed and put together. So for that to be picked apart or plucked from, especially another, not just Western conference team, another Pacific division team, which Jordy is a finalist for that Phoenix suns job. It's like, okay, back off Phoenix. But (laughs) I, I think we can look at the Phoenix job and go, yeah, it's a really good job. However, there are some significant pressures that come with that job of winning right away for a first time head coach. Plus I'm not claiming that, that Kevin Durant is, is a coach killer by any means, but Kevin Durant has a history with, or at least a recent history with what happened in Brooklyn with kind of first time head coaches and things not necessarily working out uh, over there. So if Jordy takes the Phoenix job, I'm going to root for him, of course, except when he's playing against the Sacramento Kings. But that's a position where he better be ready because right away, the expectations are not only do you have to win there, you have to manage massive personalities like uh, Devin Booker, like yeah. Kevin Durant and DeAndre Ayton, who's still there and who's not very happy at the moment. Well, you didn't even mention Chris Paul. Yeah, like all, 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 all indications are, though, you know, we speculated about it for a while. All indications are Chris Paul is going to be going to be back there next year and I, I i think that's the right move for them um you have a very limited window i have concerns about that team i think the the similarities between what we saw with the kevin durant phoenix suns during the regular season and what we saw with the bubble phoenix suns are, are it, it's pretty amazing you had this you had this 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 run in the bubble where they were like eight and zero or nine and zero or whatever it was captured everybody's imagination. And they turned into what they turned into the next year. Very very cool story. The success of Monty Williams and all of that. And of course, you get Kevin Durant here. You trade a ton of very high quality talent to get one of the greatest players that we've ever seen. And you see a little bit of magic of of Kevin. You you see a little bit of the magic of Kevin Durant. Devin Booker and Chris Paul playing together and they go undefeated when, when, when Kevin Durant plays during the regular season. And then, you know, then the playoffs get here. And as we heard in Sacramento for months leading, Oh, it's different. Oh, it's different. I'd argue there wasn't anything different for Sacramento when they played the golden state warriors. Those that was basketball. What was different for the Phoenix suns though, was their depth got exposed or in the Phoenix suns case, their lack of depth. So in this hypothetical situation, they hire Jordy Fernandez. Okay. That's, that's fine. You, you can, you can, you could put the blame if you want to on Monty Williams and I'm a Monty Williams fan. I've heard he can be a tough coach. He could be a tough person to deal with at times. And, um, I don't see Monty Williams being the depth problem. (laughs) Like if you want to point to Monty as having some issues, like that's fine. Bringing Jordy Fernandez doesn't fix the depth problem. So there, there, there are issues here, you know, as, as much good as we saw in in that, in that short stretch with um, the, 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 the Kevin Durant, Devin Booker group. We're stretching that now over 82 games. And I feel like it's going to look a little bit different. 
Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by our friends at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits right the first time around. All you have to do is add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know that the part will fit, or you get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusion supply. Are you familiar with the Madden curse? Do you remember the Madden curse? Yeah, the cover. Yeah, if you're on the cover, you're like bound to get injured. It seems like we now are starting to have a coach of the year curse where former coaches of the year are getting fired within a couple of years, which is absurd to me. Like, I don't care if Monty Williams is hard to deal with at times. Monty Williams is absolutely a phenomenal head coach and is not the problem in Phoenix. Budenholzer, you could have questions about him in Milwaukee. Not the problem. Like there's, there's, different coaches that are getting fired that I'm just scratching my Nick nurse, just confusion. But I understand somebody has to be a fall guy. That doesn't make me concerned necessarily for Mike Brown because of what he's turned around here and what he's doing here in Sacramento. At least I hope it never, it never gets to that point. I just think it's crazy D'Lo. We're at this point where no wonder coaches feel like they have to sometimes bend over backwards for, for players. And I know this is a player's league and that's not a bad thing. I actually support it being for the most part of players league. I just feel bad for these high profile head coaches who are very successful having the rug pulled out from underneath them when their team underperforms. Sure. They're a part of that, but they're not the reason for it. Like they seem to be made out to be. Yeah, that 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 coach of the year curse is pretty wild because you go back and and here's 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 the here's the potential positive. Well, no, I don't know that's a positive either. <laughs> Couldn't no. even sell it that. No, I'm, I'm I mean because I'm 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 looking at it and you got Monty won it you know last year you know before Mike did. Tom Thibodeau won it in 2021, 2020, uh, 2020, 2021. He's still employed. Nick Nurse, Mike Budenholzer. Don't forget about Dwayne Casey. Dwayne yep. Casey actually accepted the award while not having a team to coach. Incredible. Mike D'Antoni left the Houston Rockets shortly after he won. Steve Kerr, still employed. All right, Steve Kerr. Uh, Mike Budenholzer won it with Atlanta, wound up leaving, uh, uh, losing that job in Atlanta. Tibbs won it with uh, Chicago. Scotty Brooks with Oklahoma City. Mike Brown actually won it with Cleveland, but it was... Yeah, no, it was a year later. Ugh. It was the summer of 2010. So maybe maybe that's the positive. Mike Brown has already won the coach of the year and lost his job. Tom Thibodeau, one coach of the year, lost his job. Won it a second time with a new team, hasn't lost his job. Maybe that's maybe that's how the curse gets broken is you win it a second time with your new team and you don't lose your job. See, that's the way. This is why we have D'Lo on the investigative reporting that, that we can get there from D'Lo. Just a broadcast journalist right there doing Kurt his job. Cobb, that's it. We're, <laughs> we're figuring out how to break curses here in the offseason, man. Well, and in a lot of ways, the Kings broke a curse with the season well, that they had. And I'm sorry, man. That is a long list of coaches that were fired right after winning this award. I'm looking at Sam Mitchell and Byron Scott and Avery Johnson. Good Lord. It's rough. This goes back like 17 years. 
See, this makes sense. This is why Mike Brown put all of the praise on his coaching staff. This is why he wanted nothing to do with it. He's like, it's my coaching staff. It's my players. Yeah. It's my training staff. It ain't me. I don't want this award. Don't, don't put this on me. <laughs> I don't deserve it. No, it's, give it to Doug. <laughs> give yeah. it to Jordy. Give it to someone else that's going to leave. Yeah. Um, but I mean, also, like, look at where we're at at this point in time to where a lot of these teams, are, it just doesn't feel like we're a year removed from Mike Brown being hired. Like, it feels like Mike's been here forever with how much he's changed a 16 year losing culture in not even a year. He did it in a handful of months. I mean, he was already starting to make that change by the time training camp began. And it, it makes you really appreciate where the Sacramento Kings are at and the position that they're in. Maybe it's not the most exciting of off seasons because they don't have as great of a draft pick and they don't have to worry about who their next head coach is, but we're in a place of comfort and security with a head coach that really the Sacramento Kings haven't been in since Rick Allen. I'd say maybe Mike Malone, but even then we know what happened. So that was like false security for the most part, like Kings fans can go into the next handful of seasons with the, with the belief that the guy is here long-term and that's not going to be a question anymore, which is a major relief in my opinion. Yeah, and and it's in in I don't think the off season is going to be boring. I think this portion of the off season is boring because we can date back, and I mean, you know as well as I do. Everybody listening to your podcast knows we can go back to May seventeenth last year when the Sacramento Kings moved up in the lottery when they moved up to number four. The next, and I'd argue an entire year changed Mm -hmm. like, cause it was just nonstop content nonstop. Should they take Jaden Ivy? Should they take Keegan Murray? Should they take Shaden Sharp? Like it was just, it was days and weeks and, and a month and a half on who should the Kings take at number four? Should they trade that pick? Could they get multiple assets for that number uh, four pick? Is this a four-person draft? Like all of those types of things, you know, consumed us leading into the draft. And then the drafting of Keegan Murray, which led us into Summer League, which, you know, kicked off with free agency where where Kevin Herter comes in and Malik Monk comes in and all of these different things. And it's just nonstop action, 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 action. And the difference this year is, we knew the Kings were drafting 24 and you know, I'm, 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 you know, I was, I was listening to your podcast yesterday. I did, I did, I, I did laugh when you brought up drafting a Duke big man. I was like, Matt's everybody's <laughs> got a type and Matt George has his type with man. a Willie Colley Stein comp too. <laughs> he loves, he loves big men from Duke. Sorry. But, but that's where like, it's, it's, it's just, it's just different. Like it, and, it, and it's okay. Like we could be excited about pick number 24, but we're not going to be ex- as excited about pick number 24 as we were about four, right? So it's th- it's really just this kind – I think it's this month that's a little bit different. I think the draft will be a little bit different. But come July, and I, I don't know if it's July, you know, second, third, fourth, whatever whatever day it is, come the start of free agency – then I th- then I think everything ramps back up. I think the excitement comes back. I don't think it's a, a, a dull off season because when you look at it, I mean, Alex Lynn's contract is 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 it will be done. Terrence Davis's contract will be done. Harrison Barnes's contract will be done. All of those guys played roles in some sh- you know way, shape, or form. Harrison Barnes was an eighty-two game starter for the Sacramento Kings. Like. 
things are going to change. And that's, you know, change brings excitement. Excitement brings hope. All of those familiar feelings that we have as Kings fans, they'll return. It's just unusual that it's not it's not right now during the draft process. It's probably going to be a little bit later. And we can find guys at 24 that we like or that we love or that we really hope, you know, land 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 at 24 for the Kings. But I think there's going to be far more excitement when free agency gets underway and we start to see some of these pieces fall into place, be it here or, or you know, these players signing elsewhere. You brought up Harrison Barnes. He's arguably the biggest decision that the Sacramento Kings have to make this offseason. Even Harrison is a massive part of that decision as to where his motivations are and, and, and where he wants to go and what his next step is in his career. I had Howard Beck on um, Locked on Kings uh, a little while ago, and, and Howard said to me that he thought the Kings absolutely have to bring Harrison Barnes back, and he really simplified it like, Harrison Barnes was a good player. Granted, he didn't have the best playoff series, but a, a couple different guys did. Like you have to bring Harrison Barnes back. You have to basically try and just run this group back and see if they can continue to build upon what they're doing. That leads me to the question of, do you think are the Kings, if they were to try to move on from Harrison Barnes and look to replace him or look to sign and trade him, do you think that's them getting maybe a little too cute and trying to fix something by changing out a part that doesn't need to be replaced necessarily? Or do you think these are options that they legitimately have to look at if they're trying to make the jump that they want to make next year from that good to great that Mike Brown talks a lot about? No, you have to look at them because I, I think so. So it's a, it's a, it's a unique conversation to have with people right now because uh, th th there are people who are in the camp that, you know, you've got to move on from Harrison Barnes. You, you, you just got to, it's like, okay. Like I understand that line of thinking, but you, you've got to move on from him. Okay. Then what? Yeah. Like what's okay. You're not, you don't want to resign it. Great. Well, well, what do you want to do instead? Because the, 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 the terminology shouldn't be, you've got to move on from Harrison Barnes. I think the one place where the, kings can really upgrade is the harrison barnes position now that's easy for me to say mm. because if the follow-up question is well how do they upgrade the answer would be matt george i don't know i don't know how i can formulate ideas of trades with toronto for og and Anobi. i can formulate ideas for you know cheap trades with 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 atlanta so they can get off of john collins like i can I can dream about an acquisition of Cam Johnson. I can do all of that, but how realistic is it? I don't know if any of it's realistic. The most realistic option is signing Harrison Barnes or re-signing Harrison Barnes. So it really boils down to, can they upgrade that position? If you can't, then I completely agree with Howard Beck. You have to re-sign him. L again, losing an 82-game starter and not having a plan for that position does not feel like a step forward and no one and 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 it would be tough it would be tough for me to believe that's not a step backwards regardless of how you feel about Harrison Barnes regardless of how you feel how he performed against the Golden State Warriors again an 82 game starter is gone that can't be constituted as a step forward unless you have a suitable replacement right there and right now, I don't know who that is because the replacement probably isn't on the roster unless you believe Keegan 
can be a full-time three. And I guess Trey Lyles is your starting four. Of course, Trey Lyles contract is expiring. He's another part of, you know, of the start of the off season. So it, Harrison, Harrison, you, you said it's the biggest decision. It's also the most complicated mm. because it's not, because for me, the Harrison Barnes decision isn't a clear cut decision either way. So that's what makes it so complicated. I think the Harrison Barnes decision sets the tone for everything else you do during the offseason, even if it comes halfway through the offseason. Like, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if the Kings approach dra the draft with the belief or with any kind of approach to do they go with a small forward? Do they go with a potential trade for uh, an asset that they can use in a sign and trade with Harrison? Barnes? I have no idea. So it feels like what happens with Harrison is the foundation of everything that's going to happen this offseason and and for me like if if Monty McNair has established himself in any way as a general manager in, in two ways to me one he's not going to do anything for the sake of doing something like if he's moving on from Harrison Barnes there's going to be something in place like he, he just doesn't doesn't he doesn't strike me as a knee-jerk reaction type of general manager that's number one Number two is Monty has now made his short career out of doing moves that are and making moves that people didn't see coming which kind of excites me about this offseason. The, the, from the DeMontis Sabonis trade to, I mean, even look back to last offseason, the Kevin Herter trade comes out of nowhere. I know Malik Monk, we fantasized about what Malik could be in Sacramento, but we didn't really know it could happen until it happened, which, by the way, D'Lo and KC were the first ones all over that. Um, so 45 seconds. <laughs> he got him by 45 seconds. She's uh, lower in Shams draft folder. So that just, I mean, a, a small dent, but a dent nonetheless. It's a, it's a victory. Um, to me, like that, what, that's what makes me excited about an off season with Monty McNair, especially now that he is under contract again, and he knows he's, he's got long-term control here is he can make a move with Harrison Barnes. He can decide to bring Harrison Barnes back. He can play it safe. He can make a swing, but he can do almost anything. And, and a lot of things that we're not going to be able to predict, like going out and signing Dwayne Dedman or going out and signing George Hill, like former uh, regimes here did in Sacramento. Those were kind of predictable. Every move that Monty has made that has really worked has been kind of out of nowhere, which surprise or which excites yeah. me about this offseason. Yeah, absolutely. Like he doesn't tip his hand. And that's why anytime you see, um, you know, I, I, I saw something written, uh, you know, shortly after the draft lottery about, you know, you, you know, one of the teams to watch, you watch, watch that 24 pick, you know, the Sacramento Kings, they may trade out of the first round. And it's like, I get, I, I you know, I, I, I get theorizing that you have no intel that tells you that's possible because that's not the way that this front office works. Like this front office does not work like that. And nothing has been uh, nothing, no move that this organization has made, you know, ha has been tipped prior. So I'm with you. Like we can speculate on like all, all we're doing is, you know, playing fantasy GM here. And it's fun. It creates great conversation, great podcast, you know, great YouTube videos, all of that good stuff. Uh, but in the end, we 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 just we do not know. But the the good part is, you know, we were free agency begins at, you know, noon on such and such day. Free agency already started. Yeah, it's been like that. Like the, there's now while agents may not be working out exact dollar figures with teams. Teams, you know, agents know, hey, HB, um, obviously Sacramento is interested, but, you know, I've, I've, I've gotten I've gotten some notes from 
Chicago. I've got, I've gotten some notes from boss. I've got, I've gotten some, some calls from people around the league. So it's going to be, it's going to be a busy day. I'm going to be talking to, you know, probably five or six different teams, but you know, this is, this is what we're looking at right now. And that conversation that we just had, that's also being relayed to Monty. Monty's going to know, Hey, Chicago, Boston, the Clippers, whoever, they're all interested in Harrison too. So, you know, you know, keep that in mind when we talk uh, on, on, on the start of free agency or at the start of free agency. Final thing I got for you, D'Lo, um, the Kings are entering free agency in a different position for them coming off of a successful year, being a playoff team, having a young, exciting core, a, a, an exciting team that you would think people would want to play for and would want to join and would want to be a part of. That being said, Sacramento has never been a free agency destination um, to compete with certainly others in the in the Pacific Division, let alone the entire Western and Eastern Conferences. Um, are you a, I believe, what happened last season is going to possibly affect the Kings as a free agency desti uh, destination this summer? Or are you kind of on the same boat that I am, which is not a pessimistic way of looking at, but I'm almost like, a, I'll believe it when I see it type thing. I'll believe that Sacramento can be a free agency destination when Monty is able to get that guy. It doesn't have to be a superstar by any means, but Monty can get that quality of player to say, you know what? I want to play with Fox Sabonis. I want to join what Sacramento is doing here. I saw the playoff atmosphere. I want to be in Sacramento. I think it's going to take one guy making that decision to a certain caliber for me to firmly believe that Sacramento can attract those guys. Yeah, I'm with you. It's going to take, you know, one guy to make that that decision to to help change the narrative. But it's also, I think it's going to take more than one year. Hmm. So one year is fun because, you know, James and I were talking on on the show yesterday about, you know, we went through, you know, we're looking at Denver right now. And you look at Denver getting ready for the NBA finals and how they, in a strange way, kind of flew under the radar for, for, for the whole season, despite the fact they were the number one seed. And I think because of Denver's past success, whether this is fair or not, for Denver's past success, it was kind of like, well, you've got to prove it to me. Hmm. Like we've seen you succeed in the regular season before. We need to see you succeed in the we've seen you succeed in the first round. We need to see you truly succeed. If Nikola Jokic is that dude, we need to see you truly succeed in the playoffs. And to their credit, that's exactly what they've done. And when you look at their roster, when you look at the makeup of that team and Michael Malone and Jokic, and you look at the way Jamal Murray has played this playoffs, it's like, ooh, Denver next year, they're right there again. Mm -hmm. Okay. Who else is right there? And you start, you look at Memphis and you go, well, Memphis has some problems. They've got a variety of different problems. We talk about the John Morant stuff, but you also got the Steven Adams situation. Mm -hmm. That team died when they lost Steven Adams. They either, you know, need to be 100% confident Steven Adams is back or they need to find a way to appraise them. And then you've got all of the questions surrounding the Golden State Warriors. You've got the questions surrounding the Los Angeles Lakers. you got the questions surrounding the Phoenix Suns. you got, well, what exactly will the Los Angeles Clippers be? Hmm. What the hell are the Minnesota Timberwolves? Is Utah ascending or are they still tearing down? What in the world is going to happen with Portland? Is Zion ever going to be healthy? And you go through team after team after team after team, and you realize Sacramento might have the least questions of all of them. Mm -hmm. The question with Sacramento will be, what well, was that a fluke? Mm -hmm. Can they do that again? Or wait, was that one of those one-off things that sometimes bad teams just luck into and 
for some reason, Sacramento wasn't able to luck into one of those seasons for 16 years. And they finally did. Now, a couple of all pro selections and the coach of the year says that's probably not true, but that's still going to be the hangup. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to show me again. And the beauty about this upcoming season is if they do show it again, you've got that under your belt. You also have got the DeMontis Sabonis extension. So while DeMontis Sabonis will become a free agent, you'll have him locked up long. You, you, you'll be able to sign him and he'll be with you long-term, of course, along with De'Aaron Fox. And now you have a history, a true history, stabilization within your stars. And maybe, maybe that's when that first, you know, lower tier one, high tier two player decides. I could score a lot of points in San Sacramento. I, I could be on a really exciting offense. I could be a part of a really exciting offense. I want to I wanna check that out. This is why I love listening to D'Lo and KC and having D'Lo on because he'll plant little seeds of good topics that I could spend 30 minutes on right there talking about the questions of the other teams in the West versus the questions of the Kings. Stolen, that's a future podcast, and he's not getting any of the credit for it. Uh, uh, but, buddy, I steal from you daily. It's all it's, <laughs> it's all good. That's what we do. It's what, well, I'll I tell you, the best way to make it through uh, a long, sometimes obnoxiously long offseason, it feels like, even though the NBA truly doesn't die until August, uh, <laughs> it seems like it's year-round at this point, but the offseason can drag on. It shows like D-Lo and KC, which you can catch on ESPN 1320 uh, every single day from noon to four. D-Lo and KC do a phenomenal job over there with James and so many different guests, a lot of which you hear here on Locked on Kings as well. So, But you just get that uh, every day at a determined time slot. <laughs> they they have to do it. They have no choice. Uh, so I appreciate you, D-Lo, so much. Good luck with the rest of the offseason. Won't be the last time we have you on, of course, as the draft gets closer. Uh, you're You're always so generous with your time, so thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Big thank you again to D'Lo. Always appreciate having him on the show. D'Lo's been, uh, if I can spend a quick second talking about what D'Lo's meant to me. D'Lo and I started working together um, at Sacramento, um, Sactown Sports 1140, then uh, Sports 1140 KHDK. Uh, years ago, uh, D'Lo made his uh, transition in his career, took him to ESPN 1320, where he's absolutely thriving uh, on D'Lo and KC. I have the pleasure of joining them basically every single week, which is just such a treat for me. Uh, and D'Lo has been a mentor of mine throughout this journey, this career, uh, been a, an excellent friend has challenged me in a lot of ways. Um, and, and been kind of that, that driving push and force that at times, uh, I didn't like, but I needed, and I know now that I needed. So, uh, D'Lo is, is incredible. If you're not familiar with his work and if you don't follow his work, you absolutely need to, uh, he's a wonderful guy, wonderful human being, hard worker, um, and, provides just amazing content and amazing analysis like you just heard here on Locked on King. So go and check him out. Check out D'Lo and KC uh, and let them know that you, uh, you're you coming from the Locked on Kings podcast. Although I know many of you who listen to Locked on Kings and watch Locked on Kings are already avid supporters of D'Lo and KC. You watch and are part of the chatty house every single day. You guys are amazing and I appreciate you so much. Thanks to everybody who continues to support the Locked on Kings podcast. I can't wait to have more content for you. Working on some creative ideas plus some more draft topics and things like that coming uh, in the next week and some change. So I, I hope you will continue to join me for that. Thank you for getting through this off season with me here on Locked on Kings. I'll uh, have you join me on the next episode. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.
Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.